Gracious and loving Heavenly Father, once again we gather in a somewhat awkward way in places around this city, around this country, and even around the world. We gather in worship, brothers and sisters in Christ separated by a great distance, but yet bound together as the body of Christ by your love. Be with us this evening as we continue our Lenten journey, as we guide uh, the path uh, forward to Holy Week, uh, paying attention to what you teach us in your love and in your law, in law and in gospel. Lord, we pray, guide us and remind us that it is by your wounds that we are healed. In your name we pray, amen. As we continue our journey, looking at each of the Ten Commandments in turn week by week and continuing on, this week brings us the Sixth Commandment. And I got to tell you, when I'm teaching seventh and eighth graders and we're going through the Ten Commandments, this is the one that they dread. And you say, well, why is that? Because it deals with that word that begins with an S and ends in an X, and none of them want to say the word. Isn't that right, Aubrey? We want to avoid this. It's interesting to me that we, we want to avoid it and we don't want to talk about it, and, and, and yet it's the one sin that's out there in a very prevalent way in our culture and in our society. I mean, we only have to turn on the TV or take a look at the webs and and, and we see that this is a a commandment that not only in spirit but in practice is violated right and left. You see, the word's very simple. You shall not commit adultery. Wow. If we give people enough time, start to think back at those times and those circumstances. My friends, it's nothing new in our culture. Adultery, the breaking, the violation of this commandment goes back even to the times of Scripture. Who can forget the story of David and Bathsheba? Where David saw Bathsheba out bathing and in his lust for her, brings her into the palace and has uh, sexual relationships with her outside of marriage. She winds up becoming pregnant, and in order to cover it up, David plots to have her husband Uriah killed in battle. One sin leads to another, which leads to another. It took David being confronted by the prophet Nathan to to finally confess his sin before God. And it's from that confession that we get those wonderful words that appear in our liturgy. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. For that's what sin does. Unrepentant sin casts us away from the very presence of God, and we cannot repair that broken relationship on our own. It's shattered beyond repair. And try as we might, we can't fix the very things that we are bro- we've broken in our own lives. 
You think about it. There's no way that David could have went back and raised Uriah to life. It's doubtful that he could have repaired the marriage relationship between Uriah and Bathsheba. Sin destroys. And it puts us into difficult and challenging places. We go to the New Testament and we see there the adulterous woman who's drug out into the street and the Pharisees are ready to stone her to death. We read that Jesus stoops down and begins to draw on the dirt. As he's drawing, he's talking. And he says those famous words, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. You see, in our humanity, we have this tendency to try to rank sins. This sin is worse than that sin, or this sin isn't as bad as that one. And we try to self-justify our own behaviors before God. And we forget what Scripture says, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And no one is righteous, not even one. And the punishment for sin is the same. It doesn't matter what the sin is. The wages of sin is death. You see, that's what we earn every time we sin in disobedience against God. And we can fast forward even to our own culture and our own generation where, again, the sin of adultery abounds. Where people get into a marriage and they say, well, if it doesn't work, we'll just move on to somebody else. The whole idea of commitment has been washed down the tubes. It's not easy. We have great intentions sometimes when we become married. We make those commitments before God and his people. We have good intentions, but sin enters in and sin uh, breaks up relationships. And somehow we think that That sometimes that's okay. After all, didn't God permit his people to divorce? It was pretty easy back then. You just took a piece of paper if you were the husband. And by the way, this was a man thing. It didn't work for the women. That's kind of the culture at that time. You took a piece of paper and you had written on it, I divorce you, and you handed it to your wife and you said three times, I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you. I thought that was pretty easy. But then I started talking to some of the Pueblo cultures here in New Mexico, and they said, oh, well, we got it even easier. If the man comes home and his saddle's sitting outside the door, it's over. Scripture reminds us that God permitted it because of the hardness of man's heart. Because of our own sinfulness, our own rebellious attitudes, not only against God, but against other people. And, and, and sometimes we find ourselves in difficult and challenging circumstances. But you see, in all of it, God's grace abounds. There is no sin other than that sin against the Holy Spirit that cannot be forgiven. It doesn't matter where you're at in your life right now when you sit in a circumstance, in a situation, and you say, I cannot undo the damage that I've done or that's been done to me. That's a harsh reality that we face. But God can. 
No matter what the sin, pick a commandment, one through ten. No matter what the sin, no matter what the disobedience, God can still restore us into good, right, and salutary relationship with him because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. We need to keep that in mind. Latch on to it and never let go. The scriptures talk about another type of adultery as well, and we see, through, see it throughout the pages of scripture. Because you see, God paints his relationship with his people as a marriage relationship, and we see time and again that God's people turn away and begin to worship the false gods. The golden calf. Baal. We could go through the gods and goddesses mentioned in Scripture, or we can even look at them in our own lives today. And we might, in our own pride, be saying, well, I have the greatest marriage on earth, and I'm great, and I'm the best husband, or I'm the best wife, and everything is hunky-dory. And yet we're committing adultery in our relationship with God when we wander away from him and when we're not faithful to him. When we begin to serve the gods of this world, whether it be money or fame, whether it be our work, whether it be the movie stars, the rock stars, I guess you can't say rock too much anymore, what is it, rap? Are we beyond that now too? I'm not sure. When we begin to worship the creation, but we forget about the creator. When we begin to let time drive our agenda to the point where we say, I don't have time for church, I don't have time for worship, I don't have time for God. We're breaking this commandment. In so many ways, this sixth commandment is very much tied to that first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. Our relationship with God, as God's people worshiping together, we're called the church. And the bride of the church is Christ himself. Or excuse me, we are the bride to Christ himself who's the bridegroom. It's that marriage relationship. A relationship that God talks about throughout the pages of the New Testament. And it's a reminder to us that this commandment is not just about our relationships with each other, but it's also about our relationship with God and how we understand him and who he is. You see, the, the commandment's written not just to make us feel guilty when we break the law, but to remind us of how important it is to uphold the very things that God instills into our hearts, to build the relationships that last for an eternity with him to build a relationship that lasts until death do us part with our spouse, to build the relationships with people around us in a healthy and in a positive way, and to be reminded that even in our own perfections and when we sin, that Christ is still there. David was forgiven. Jesus said to the adulterous woman, go and sin no more. And why? because he knew what he was going to do. He was gonna to go to a cross and he was gonna bear our sins, carry them to the cross, and he was gonna suffer and die there for us. That's why he was sent into our world. 
Wash away the multitude of our sins. And that's the message that we proclaim. Even though we, as Paul reminds us, face death all day long, a death that we deserve because of our sins, yet we find our hope in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. It's his name that we proclaim and it's his name that we confess. We're not perfect people. Every one of us watching this evening, every one of us here, although there's very few of us here, we're not perfect. We know that about each other. But Christ, he died. Pay the price for our imperfections and for our sin. And he calls us then to live for him. And not for ourselves. To be reminded of who we are each day as children of God in this world. To find our strength and our joy and our hope in him. And he calls us to serve him as we serve one another in love. I mean serving our spouse. Serving one another. Serving the bridegroom of the church who is Christ himself. Paul says it. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, love your husbands. Children, love your parents. And he lifts up Christ as the model. As Christ has loved us. It's a paraphrase, but it's a paraphrase of what Jesus himself said. Love one another, even as I have loved you. And that's what we do in this world. During this difficult time that we face, we love each other. We continue to reach out with the phone calls, the emails, the FaceTimes. We find out what the needs of one another are, and we meet those needs, bringing groceries or whatever it might be, or perhaps even that scarce roll of toilet paper. I even heard today that people are turning those little, those little uh, things that you see in neighborhoods, the little neighborhood libraries, the library in a box kind of thing, people have turned those into food distribution boxes. People, remember that we can be Christ to the world and to live. The fulfillment of the law is in Christ. The spirit of the law is in each of us because of Christ. We may not be perfect, but we are forgiven, and we are empowered in Christ to live for him and to serve one another. In Jesus' name, amen.